Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Curtain Call Podcast. I'm Chris Sheeran, and as always, I'm joined by John J. Filippelli. And today, our special guest, four-time World Series champion with the Yankees, Jeff Nelson. So let's dive right into it. Joining us now is uh, a very familiar face to Yankee fans. Jeff Nelson, former reliever, of course. He has four World Series championships. He was a co-host on a now-defunct podcast we used to do for the New York Post. Jeff, thank you for joining Flip and I. We really appreciate the time. My pleasure. How are you guys doing? It's good to see your face again, buddy. Good, <laughs> and then it's good to be seen. <laughs> well, um, I you know, see somebody on a podcast, Chris. <laughs> well, I, I could see him here. Everybody oh, else see. could hear him, but we could see him on the Zoom that we're on right There's now. There's a lot of people listening to this saying, yes, Nelson. yes. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, here, here's what you do. You go to Google. You, yeah. you get a snapshot of Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> and you could put it up. There's so many things you could do with memes and with, with, scare you. with All right, so gifs. if you took a shot of Nelly, if you got half of them, you could have a half Nelson. Oh, look at you. <laughs> and, and if you had the full one, you had a full Nelson. That's true. That's true. But see, those uh, see, we're, as we're just recording this, we're on like a Zoom call, so we can all see each other. Although, yes, people listening to I this guess I should have said that. Gratefully, they can't see anyone. <laughs> it's, it's kind of good for them. Uh, so fortunate bald, enough, yes. It, it's it's a bald headed convention. Although Nelly would tell you he's not bald. Yeah. Hello, so Nelly. Let me I see. Do. Tilt down a little bit, Nelly. Let's. See. I do have hair. Oh, you know. Oh, Katria, he's bald. Chris, this is your bald. He's dirty. Oh, me. No, he's you're definitely follically challenged. There's no there's no two ways about it. But I, I am too. Look, see? but I mean, this okay, that happens. As you get older. Let's just yeah, let's just all say we're follically challenged. I I, I think I think we could say that now. Doesn't the Yankees follically challenged. The Yankees are follically challenged on their faces, but that's for different reasons. And and they're they're still playing well, although although they are getting through some injuries right now. And that's what we were talking about before we came on, guys. And you know, it's, it's, this team is at a crossroads really, because with, with the injuries they're dealing with, you know, your closers on the shelf and their oldest Chapman, you lost green Chad green for the season in the bullpen. Uh, you have some issues out there. You have John Carlos Stanton from the lineup. He's, he's on the IL as well, but they're treading water. But where is this team in your eyes? Like Nelly, you could see, that they're just two games off the 98 Yankees pace. We're not comparing them to your 98 squad, but there are some good vibes with this team, but right now trying to battle through those injuries. Well, I think they were fortunate enough early with their schedule. You know, you see Baltimore 13 different times and, you know, going forward, they only, we're only going to see them six and they're a last place team. Uh, so they were fortunate with the schedule. Now all of a sudden the injury bug has hit them, but their starters have carried this team besides judge offensively. Their starters have been outstanding. You know, they're second in baseball in ERA, you know, and their bullpen was really good. Now, all of a sudden, they've had some injuries with Chad Green's out for the season. Well, Weisiger, you don't know how long he's going to be. And Chapman is probably a good thing right now that he's on the IL just to have his confidence, get his confidence back. But their starters have been outstanding. And, and that's what's going to carry this team going forward. You don't know how this offense is going to, it is going to produce going, you know, going forward. It's, uh, they, they got off to a hot start, and that was important because of the schedule that they had. And I can see that these starters are going to continue to go the way, they are, the way they're going. And you look at it, they, for the injuries that they have in the bullpen, their starters are eliminating a lot of those injury innings. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
Okay, yes. you can go. You got guys going seven, eight innings, and all I have to do is worry about six outs, three outs, four outs, maybe seven outs. And that's good enough because they do have a good enough bullpen to be able to get away with those six outs and try to make up for some of the losses that they've had down there because of their starters are going deep into the game. They have there's just there's just a lot going on with the Yankees. Um, and, you know, it, yes, they, they built a nice little lead for themselves. But the reality is that it, it's 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 a, a lead that it's not a, an insurmountable lead, obviously. It's it's it, there's a, a little margin. There's some margin there for comfort, but that's really all there is. And uh, because the Blue Jays are starting to play the ball that everybody thought the Blue Jays were going to, to play, they have not. They've kind of underachieved to this point, and but doesn't look like they're, they're basically as as we record this, they've been on a winning streak and they're and they're playing much better now. So the Yankees and Tampa is Tampa. So the Yankees, uh, by by no means, should find comfort into where they are. They, I mean, I'm, they're, they're they're it's good where they are, but the reality is that they've got they've got plenty of uh, competition uh, right right over their shoulder. So they really can't afford to you know to you know uh, play baseball that is uh, not the kind of baseball that they've been playing. Um, it's going to be and it's going to be tough for them to because they've got some injuries and some things they have to weather and some of the parts of the schedule. Some of these teams are pretty good that they'll be playing. So you'll, you'll see a lot more of what the Yankees are, are, are really are. But 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 there's a lot of optimism that they can hold the fort and there's a lot going on in this team. And the other part of this, I'm sorry, I'm getting long winded here, which I always do anyway. So I apologize. But the the part of this game that I really am enjoying is watching Boone manage. Because I think, you know, Aaron is taking a lot. He's being a lot more aggressive in how he's managing this team than he, than the Yankees have shown in the past on on their on how they handle things. Yeah. Do you think flips okay going forward? Once these guys come back, how do you think he's going to handle the Chapman situation? My opinion. My opinion. I think Holmes is your closer, and Chapman's going to have to pitch his way back in. You're going to need Chapman at some point during the season if he comes back healthy. But right now, I don't know if you can afford to pitch him in the ninth inning. So how's Boone going to handle that? How do you think he's going to do it? I, I think he's got to I think he has to handle it, the, 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 which is you go with the hot hand. And until, until, until if and when Holmes falters, which he hasn't, he's perfect right now. And I mean, you can't expect he's going to go a whole season like that. But if and when he starts to, if he hits a rough patch, and Chapman starts to pitch better. It comes back and starts to pitch better. Then I think Chapman will be could possibly come back and, and close. But right now, I, I don't see any way that, that Chapman can close. I think he's just going to have to be. I, he's going to take his position, and I think he's going to have to deal with it. Yeah, but, I, I think it's kind of like it, it's riding the hot goaltender in in uh, hockey, uh, and we're seeing that with the New York Rangers right now in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Igor Shesterkin has been unbelievable in the first two series and in the first game with Tampa Bay. And, and and just like Flip said, you have to ride the guy who's hot. And right now, that's Clay Holmes and Nelly. I want to I want to ask you about him specifically because last year when we did our podcast and they made that trade for Holmes, we heard Aaron Boone say he was a right-handed assassin. And you and I both looked at his numbers, and we were like, "Wait a minute, this guy has an ERA over four and a half pitching for the Pirates uh, this year, and he has an ERA for his career with the Pirates near five. How is he a right-handed assassin, if an assassin at all? But he's been absolutely lights out. What is it that you've seen in him that has been making him so successful as a Yankee? Well, I see his mound presence, and I see the confidence that he has out on the mound. It's, it's a, I, I didn't see him when he was with the Pirates. Uh, I saw him when he came over last year and, you know, tried to fit in as best as he could, you know, and 
And just whatever role he was put in, he just tried to do the best he could. He has a really good arm. Uh, last year, I think he was a thrower. I, I think it was okay. How fast can I throw it? What can I do? How can I impress guys? Now the command of the fastball is a lot better than I've ever seen from him. He's hitting the outside corner with his 95 to 98 mile an hour sinker. He's going inside. You know, he has, he has that breaking pitch. So the command of the fastball is there and he's not afraid to challenge guys. It, you know, going, you know, that's, that's why, you know, you look and, you know, flip, you say, okay, Boone's done an outstanding job and, and he hasn't done an outstanding job now going forward. You know, we never had that issue, uh, you know, with Mariano about who was going to be the closer, who was going to be the ninth <laughs> inning guy. He's the ninth inning guy, no matter how, if he struggled a few games or not. And that was hardly ever. But when you have Chapman and you're coming back and you have Holmes and, you know, Holmes is going to blow a game or two. And for me, if he's going to be your ninth inning guy for now until the rest of the season, or if he goes and he falters maybe three, four times in a row, maybe you make that change. But right now, he's got to be your guy, and you got to make sure that he knows you're my ninth inning guy no matter if Chapman comes back or not. Chapman right now is my seventh, eighth inning guy. And if things go backwards, then we may make a change. I think relievers sometimes need to know that. I think they need to know instead of keep constantly looking over their shoulder because I guarantee you if Clay Holmes looks over his shoulder, has to look over his shoulder, and says, if I, if I fail in the ninth inning one time, all of a sudden I lose my job, He's going to, it's going to be over for him. His confidence level is going to be shot. It's going to be over for him. If he knows that, hey, you know what? You're my ninth inning guy. Take it. I don't care when Chapman comes back. He's got to pitch. He's got to show me that he has his stuff to be able to get some outs when I need it. But you're our guy when it comes time to close out a game. Then I think he's going to have success the rest of the year. And he may be your closer the rest of the year. Maybe your closer now on, period. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because this is Chapman's walk year. And, right. you know, and who knows? And if Chapman comes back and doesn't pitch well and has trouble adjusting to whatever role he's in. And I, I agree. I don't think he's going to be the closer. I think I think Holmes closes until proven otherwise, until, you know, Chapman's going to have to come back and really be really pitch well in whatever role he's in and for him to have a shot at being the closer again. And what you want is consistency. I mean, more than anything else, especially in a closer, you want consistency. And one thing you're not, you haven't gotten out of Chapman a lot has been consistency. Right. When he's on, he's great. He's been great. No, no, no debate. But you know what? When he's off, he's been as bad as he's been good. And the thing of it is that you just mentioned, you, you can't afford to, you know, you can't afford to have the inconsistency in that ninth inning, not with the teams that are behind you. Uh, you know, the, the Blue Jays are going to be there. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be there. The Red Sox are, are double digits out of first place, but they're going to be there at the end. They'll turn things it could be a wild around. card. Already... They're going to push for a wild card. Exactly. And they're going to get Chris Sale back. So you can't afford to lose games late in the ball game just because, hey, Chapman has a great arm and we're paying him a certain amount of money. You know, you can't afford to be losing games and risking, uh-oh, you know, we're giving games away. But because those teams behind you, they can't wait for you to blow a ninth inning lead because they're going to be right on your heels the whole entire time. They're five, five games out the Blue Jays, five and a half is, is Tampa Bay. You know, as good as the Yankees are playing, they're right on your heels. They're, they're, they're a week away from being maybe a game out. This could be a very dangerous – we said it in the spring, coming out of spring training. This could be a very, very dangerous American League East because you look, yes. at, you look at the teams in whatever order you want. you got the Jays, you got the Rays, you had the Yankees, and you had the Red Sox. Now, every one of them figured to be on some level contending for it. 
And you take the Orioles and say they're, they're still not anywhere near where they need to be, regardless if they give the Yankees a hard time or not. They're still not where they need to be. Uh, so you you, t- you x them out. But the other four, the other four, you sit there and go like, what division has got strength like this, top to bottom? And they they really don't. So you sit there and you say this is going to be a very very competitive division, and it's it's very well could go right down to the last week of the season. I still think it's going to go it's going to go near the end. I don't see anybody the Yankees or any team running away with this. I think no, it's going I don't to be either. close. Because Chapman's, well, you look, you look, yeah. because Chapman's in his walk here, guys, let me, let me pose this to both of you. Now, I know they've had some injuries in the bullpen, and this might be a stupid question, but, you know, in my opinion, there are no stupid questions. Flip, you might have a different opinion on that. No, there are stupid especially, questions, Chris. Especially, especially coming from me. No, but anyway. Me. I mean, I've, I've heard, I hear stupid questions a lot. I've heard them all day. <laughs> not, not all day. I mean, some of the day. But, you know, no, I'm, I'm teasing. You don't hear them all day, but you hear me. <laughs> But, you know, there's no stupid no. questions. It's only the questions you don't ask. So, Chris, having said right. that, go ahead, ask the question. Well, here's the question. We're, we're about a month away from the tra- – uh, over a month away from the trade deadline. If if you didn't have all these injuries in the bullpen and Chapman's in his walk here, is is he a piece? I mean, do you look to deal him? If you get Loisica back, and Loisica is Loisica from last year, do you think of maybe moving Chapman and bringing in – Maybe another arm, maybe a bat. I don't know. What do you guys think? Nelly, go ahead. I'll, I'll go after you. I, I, I say, yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think that's a that's a great idea. It's a good possibility because if the bullpen continues to pitch the way, if Clay Holmes continues to pitch the way he does, uh, I, I can't see Britain coming back and being a factor. Maybe you know, but August, September, September, you know, I don't right? Know how much? Yeah, I don't know how much he's going to be a factor out of that bullpen. You kind of hope so. Uh, but, yeah, that could be a piece. They did it once before. They traded him to the Cubs. You know, why not? Teams are going to need a closer. Teams are going to think that, okay, Chapman can come over to us and we can give them – maybe they can trade him for – one one spot the Yankees are going to have to address. I don't care how good Trevino is going right now and Higazioka is going right now anyway, is I think behind the plate. They're going to have to address that, I think, at some point. Maybe, maybe they go out and they try to find him – a really good defensive guy that uh, that can, that can swing the bat. You, you know, I think pop, that might yeah. be a spot. Yeah, that might be a spot. Although, go to with that being said, the starters are doing really well with the guys that are behind there, and I don't know how much you want to mix that up or mess that up. So they may not want to go there anyway. But I think I think the idea of trading Chapman, I think that's always a possibility. I I, I think it's a probability. I wouldn't even say it's a possible. I think it's very probable. I don't see him. I mean, I listen, I don't know what the Yankees know, and I'm being presumptuous to, to even go to go where I'm going. But the reality is I don't see him as an eighth inning guy. I don't think he's got the makeup to pitch the eighth inning. Right. I think he's built to be a closer. That's who he is. That's his mentality. That's his, his persona. I don't know that some, you know, everything is in your head in life. You know, I don't know if, if, if in his head he can handle the seventh inning or the eighth inning as being a setup guy. I, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I could be way wrong and, uh, and hopefully I, I am because when he comes back, when he comes back, if he comes back, he will be in that role unless, you know, and, and it's going to like Holmes is going to have to falter. He's going to have to pitch really well in that setup role to, to have a shot at being the closer again. That's my, my, my two cents on it. But having said that, I absolutely believe he'd be a trade piece. Why not? Because if you look at this is walk here, number one, and that's one, two, he's making 18 million, half of 18 million is nine, and nine million for, you know, in the, in the realm of baseball for a talent like that, potential talent like that isn't a lot. 
Uh, you and the, the Yankees could, could the Yankees could even say, "Hey, listen, nine million. How about this? You you pay five, we pay four. Give me a mid-level prospect. We got a deal." You know, there's all kinds of ways to do this. If in fact that's the way it shakes out, so I could see him as being a piece for what the Yankees are looking for. I mean, what they may need. You're right; they need catching help. You're right that they could always use another arm in the pen. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the way their starters are constituted, they're really they're strong. But you know what? Where's the depth in the starting rotation? If somebody goes down, Nelly, who's yeah, the they starter? don't have it. They no, don't you're have right. It. They don't have so, it. So you know, that's what. If I'm Brian Cashman, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, I got to get depth at starting pitcher. I, they're pitching well. This is great. But you know, you know as well as I do. Chris, you know it too. You go to spring training, Brian Cashman uh, uh, and, uh, and Aaron Boone never sit there and go, I got five starters. You got, I got eight starters. I need seven starters because guys get hurt. Things happen. It's a long year. You know, it's, you need the extra arms. So I think that's where the Yankees may look to move pieces that uh, to get to get stronger, to get better. You're right. Catching, starting pitching, the depth and starting pitching. You know, look at the bats. The bats are, str- are struggling. The Yankees are struggling offensively. Aaron Judge is carrying is carrying everything. Without Aaron Judge, this is all. Just forget about this team offensively without Aaron Judge right now. Now, here's a question for you, and this is being devil's advocate with Chapman. If say the Yankees, okay, yeah, we we agree that this is a probability that they could go out and move him. What happens? Are they thinking on the sense that, okay, Clay Holmes right now is our starter, our closer. Lewisica, if he gets healthy, where's our safety net? Because he doesn't have, Clay Holmes doesn't have the closing experience on a championship team. You talk about September and, and, and August. The, You're right. The, the, the time of the months, those two months are pressure months. Those two months are pennant winning months. Going into the pennant, who are the guys down there that have the experience or can be able to, or that you could trust to throw those last three innings or like get those last three outs? Are they saying there's no way we can trade Chapman because if Holmes falls, we don't have anybody to go back on. Loisaga already has tried that. He hasn't succeeded in the ninth inning. Right now, Holmes is. What happens in August and September? You're Chapman right. is a guy that's been able to handle that. That's right. You're right. That's, that's right. You're, you're right. That's something I'm sure I wasn't thinking that way, but you're right. That's something they would have to think about for sure. Is the pressure of closing at, at, the, at, at the end of a, at the, when a pennant race is coming down to you know, coming down to, you know, the, the wire, um, you know, can he handle that kind of pressure? I mean, for what, listen, you know what it takes now to be a successful reliever. You were very successful in your career is what you understand what it takes. You've been around Mariano. You know what that mindset was like, although there'll never be another Mariano. We all know that, but, but you understand what that takes. But the truth of the matter here is that it's um, that that's something they're going to have to consider. And but but in order for all this to make any sense in terms of uh, this, that 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 scenario, Chapman has to pitch better. He has to come back. Right. And be healthy. Oh, absolutely. I know it's not. He says his arm is good. It's really his Achilles. Right. That's bothering yeah. him. So the Achilles has to I mean, that's a tricky scenario situation that has to straighten itself out. Then he has to be show that he could you know, come back and pitch and pitch in the role that they put him in. And uh, and hope that they see enough there that if, if he's not going to close again, or at least he's his insurance. You're right. He's, and if you're going to talk about the, the second half of the year, what can you get for what you, they're going to have to make all those all those the, the, that determination. Obviously, it's not an easy determination. But to give credence to what you said, you're right. They're going to have to think about 
can, can Holmes really do this over the course of he's doing it. He's doing it really successfully. But what happens in the, those pressure pack games at the end of the year? You're right. Either way, it's tricky. You guys are both right. But, I, you know, the best way to find out if somebody could throw him in the water, sink or swim. And, and I think Holmes has the makeup and we've seen it throughout the season so far. I, the only way we're going to find out in August, September, October is if he actually does it. And, and I and I get your point, Nelly. You know, it's nice to fall back on Chapman, but as Flip alluded to, Flip, is Chapman going to be a seventh or eighth inning guy and sit there when his makeup is the closer? I think at the end of the year, you you look, okay, no, none of these guys right now in, in the back end of the bullpen are battle-tested as far as that ninth inning besides Chapman. And is that is it, how, how is that going to be satisfactory if you go you go all the way to the end and with Holmes as your closer, and you're in September with some crucial high leverage situations, and he's not getting the job done. And everybody, after the start that the Yankees got off to, you're thinking this team's a World Series team, and all of a sudden they fall short again. How how's that? How's that? Look? How's that looking? Because yeah. whether you're you right. trade Chapman or you're you right. keep him as a seventh, eighth inning guy, you go all the way to the end, and the way the offense, the way the pitching has been, who knows if that's going to continue. And all of a sudden, maybe you get to that one game playoff again that you did against the Red Sox and you come up short. That That's not acceptable. No, it's not. And you're right. I mean, they, they're going to have to think uh, along those lines, too. But again, this will all be dictated to by how well when Chapman comes back, let's assume he does. Right. He comes back and he's healthy. Let's assume he is. And how well he adapts to the role that they put him in. Because if he doesn't pitch well in that role, I don't think they're going to sit there and say, well, he's not pitching well here because the only way he could pitch is if he put him in the ninth inning and Holmes is not faltered. Holmes is getting the job done. So let's take Holmes out and give it back to Chapman. I, I don't think you could play that emotional yo-yo to your point right. earlier, which you got to have confidence in whoever it is that's gotten the ball and is your closer right now. You got to show the confidence in him. So I, that's that's something going to have to navigate. But there's, there are other questions, you know, to the team, other things. That we, I mean, the, the the offense on the team concerns me. I'm very concerned about their offense because I, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not concerned about judge. I mean, judge is having a, a monster year. He's having an all world year. It's not judge, but you know, we, we talked about uh, you know, what, what do you do? And if you're the, we talked about before we got on here about, you know, if the, the, the lineup does not hit behind judge. Well, Gallo then, and Hicks are a problem. Well, they're, sure. they're a problem. And then the other guys on the team are not, are not hitting, are not hitting the way. Well, you look at LeMahieu. LeMahieu's the, the power numbers. I mean, he's really struggled over the last well, month. Rizzo like struggled. LeMahieu struggled. Yeah. Struggled. You know, somebody's got to got to carry help them because you, to your point earlier, you could you just teams will pitch around Judge. They'll start to yeah. really pitch around. Yeah. Him. Yeah. And then especially take the bat. Yes. Out of especially the teams in this division. I mean, the, the the teams that know him the best. I mean, that's where look at look at what down in Tampa. I mean, Tampa in this in the first series they played, they they pitched Judge well. I mean, now listen, there were a couple of those pitches where you're scratching your head, like how the hell is that a strike? I mean, he should, he should get his pitching wedge out. I, I don't see how umpires call that low strike, Nelly. We talked about that all last year. I mean, he he's six seven and he's getting balls called below his knees. I, I just don't know how that works. But to your point, Flip, yes. Uh, the teams are going to start to wake up and teams are going to start to pitch around them and they're going to make other guys beat them. And other guys have to start stepping up, especially in this lineup. We saw that in the first game against the angels with DJ LeMahieu. I mean, the team only had six extra base hits in their last three games in Tampa. They had six in that first game 
against the Angels. So hopefully that was a sign of things starting to turn, but we'll see. I, Flip, you, you said it before we came on, the Yankees are hitting the Angels at just the right time. Well, and they also hit Noah Syndergaard, who is, uh, has, has been up right. and down. I mean, he's pitched right. really well in Anaheim, and he hasn't pitched well at all on the road. And, you know, he, he didn't have one swing and miss. Not one. Yeah. That's Noah Syndergaard you're talking about. Yeah. Doesn't it amaze you, though, the guys that are throwing upper velocity that, you know, we have a guy down here in Mar with the Marlins in Sandy Alcantara. He struck out 14 the last time, but he's got big time stuff and he doesn't have swing and miss stuff. He's a contact guy at 97 and 98 mile an hour. He's got a good changeup, but these guys just like Syndergaard, where's the swing and miss? You know, he doesn't have a lot of that. But he used to. Yeah. Yeah, But he used to be a strikeout pitcher. You know, he would he would get more than his fair share of strikeouts, and just to see his stuff. I mean, his balls were all in the middle of the plate, Nelly. Everything was in the middle of the plate. There was no there, there was no dart. There was no late movement that I saw. The Yankees were first pitch swing, and they were teeing off on him. I mean, it was just. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting there saying, are the Yankees this good offensively, or is Syndergaard just having just having a rough time out there? The way he was having a rough time. I mean, I I, I don't know. It's it's hard for, to say. I don't know. You'd be a much better judge of this than I could ever be. But to me, you, know, you look at the Yankees' offense, and you when you have teams that are aggressive, it's like you pitch them backwards. It, it's you got to be able to get all good over your off speed early, and then you can finish them off late with some hard stuff, and then you right. can start mixing it up as a starter. But if you have a team that you know is going to start jumping on your fastballs early, especially the first couple of pitches, and they don't want to get deep into the count. And the Yankees, when they're struggling offensively, they're a team that wants to be aggressive early. They're not going to take pitches. They don't want to get in 0-2, 1-2 count because they're terrible off-speed hitters. So when you have a team like that, you have That's to be able to get your off-speed off speed over early. If you can't, then a team like the Yankees, they're going to jump all over you and they're going to crush you. Did you notice what, that the Red Sox are hitting? The Red Sox are starting. Yeah, to yeah. You, yeah. you know, you know why I think that is. They're walking. Now you sit there and say, well, well, you know, but they're taking pitches. They're walking. They're much more selective. They're getting guys on base, and they got guys who can hit home runs. So you get guys on base. Hope they hit home runs. You start to score runs. I mean, their offense has been jump started by the fact that they're showing patience. That they're drawing walks. I mean, it's yeah. it, it, it's almost counterintuitive. So what? They're not swinging the bat. They swing the bat. They're swinging, but they're swinging selectively. That's what makes them – that's why they're hitting the ball, and that's why they're scoring runs. You know, you brought something about – you know, real quick. You said something yeah, about the 98 now. team, the 98 team, and I'll just, you know, talk about the offense just a little bit as far as – the Yankees were always a team and always an organization that, that prided themselves in working the count, working the starting pitcher, getting them out early. You know, that's a lot of ways how we beat Texas so many times because we just wore right. out their starters and got into their bullpen and crushed them. They were comfortable hitting with two strikes. Is this Yankee offense to you comfortable with hitting with two strikes? Just mention how the Red Sox are now walking because they're getting more comfortable. They're not afraid to go and be 0-2 or 1-2 and work the count back to 3-2 and wear out the starter or wear out the reliever. They're comfortable in hitting with two strikes. And, you, you know, that's why Alex Cora, I think, is one of the best managers in the game. I think he does a tremendous job with that team. And it's probably just a matter of time before they did turn it around. But are the Yankees now, in your opinion, do you think these, this team is comfortable or any hitter in that, in that lineup is comfortable hitting when they're behind in the count? No. I don't. Torres is starting to hit. I'm seeing yeah. real signs of life from Torres. And he was struggling in the beginning. He struggled the last two years. 
but he's not struggling now. He's seeing the ball. He's swinging. And it seems like he's, he's, you know, honestly, I don't see him swinging for the fences on every No, pitch. he's going gap to gap flip. We're yeah. I mean, like, a lot of, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I like a lot I like of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. I like his approach a lot better. I mean, the home runs will come. You make contact. You got the power. Home runs will come. I, I, but he's was, you know, just swinging for fences a lot. And I, I think, the, I think the Yankees have done a nice job of getting him to stay. As George Steinbrenner used to say, stay within yourself. I think the Yankees, have, the hitting people, the coaches have gotten to stay within himself. I think, I think he's a different, he's now much, a much better hitter. He's a much different hitter than he was. And the Yankees need that. They need him because of the injury, especially to Stanton. I mean, Stanton becomes so much part of that offense to go with judge. I mean, that's a little, you got a little murderous row going on there. Right. Yeah. And, right. And Nelly, we, we, we talked about this last year and the comfort level with him playing second base is obvious. I mean, I mean, you look at it now, nine home runs and 516 plate appearances last season. He's got nine already in nine already this season. So, well, he's having point, fun. Yeah, he's having fun. He, he's playing tremendous defensively as well. And, and, and you can just see the comfort level from the field. He takes it with him into the batter's box. Well, there's going to be a time when the teams aren't going to be able to shift on him as much because he's not afraid to shoot it in that second base hole. And I've seen and, a number and of that's, times, that's what we saw in, in 2019 when, when he went yeah. off. I mean, that's yeah. the Glaber Torres everybody wants to see. Let, let's uh, spin things to the starting rotation. I know the Yankees lineup uh, is having some issues right now with the injuries and, and Flip, as you said, taking Stanton out of there. It takes the length out of that lineup and it was a regular murderer's row. And you saw, you know, the comparisons to judge and Stanton to the bash brothers back in the late eighties on the A's with Canseco and McGuire, those two knuckleheads, but uh, let's go to the rotation and just a, every time he, he takes the mound. Now you're expecting it. I mean, flip, we've talked about this on previous podcasts. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop with Nestor Cortez, but now I, I look forward every fifth day to watch this guy pitch. Nelly, I don't know about you, but to me, he's like a throwback. He doesn't have that velocity. He's not going to light up the radar gun. Uh, kind of like he's, he's Jamie Moyer-esque, if you will. I mean, he's, he's not going to wow you with the radar gun, but his cutter has been a, a devastating pitch to the opposition this season. It's really been, as Aaron Boone mentioned, you know, it's, it's good to have that club in his bag when he goes out there to play 18. Uh, but he's he's just been a vision this year, Nelly. How do you describe his success, and what have you seen out of Cortez? Well, I think we talked about this earlier. You know, earlier in the year, you know, you look at Severino has come up with a cutter. You look at uh, Garrett Cole has come up with a cutter. When they took the sticky stuff away, you especially early in the year, a lot of a lot of guys breaking pitches were just spinning. You, you know, you did you had a lot of cement mixers. They weren't very efficient. You didn't get the bite on them. The pitch that's easy to throw, if you can master it, it's it's a devastating pitch as a cutter because you're not snapping your wrist, you're not snapping your elbow as much as you are on a, on a breaking ball or a slider. You're basically throwing it. You can offset a two seam fastball. And you're basically throwing it like a football. Like when you release a football, that's how you're throwing the cutter. But you really have to get out there and extend. You have to follow through. You can't cut the cutter off. You can't short arm the cutter because then that's just a that's just a BP fastball and even a worse cement mixer, and it's going to crush. If you extend, and you see Garrett Cole is really starting to master it. You see Severino starting to master it. These guys had really good breaking balls in the past. Now whether they whatever they were using. 
you know, I don't blame them. I mean, guys use stuff for decades and centuries, uh, you know, to try to get some different spin on the ball. But now that they can't, they have to come up with something that they can able that they're able to control that you're going to be able to have some some success that breaks one or two or three inches. And Cortez has that pitch. He picked that pitch up. I think what I heard in Dominican, right? He had that's where he, that's where he learned it when he was throwing winter ball, or he learned it from somebody down there. He backdoors that thing. He throws it into righties, and then he throws that eighty nine to ninety two up in the zone that four mile uh, four seamer. And he's he's nasty, and, and you know what? He, and his mound guys go out there, and I look at their mound presence. I look, okay, what are their eyes telling me? What is their facial expression telling me? And you can see when guys have fear. You can see when guys are afraid to throw to throw to hitters. He doesn't have that at all. I mean, he's basically going in the in the dugout after an inning and laughing. He's having that much fun because he's just carving guys up. And are you expecting it every time? I don't know if you are expecting it every time. I go out there and say, how's he doing this? But he's just so much fun to watch. Well, he's using, yeah, he's yeah. using that cutter almost 40% of the time, Nelly. It's his most used pitch. The four seamers right below that slider, sinker, and change. And it doesn't he's put a lot of pressure up. on he's your elbow. He's having a tremendous season. He's second in the majors in ERA. Yeah, yeah. And you could just see with the success rate he's had with that. And by the way, first in ERA is Martin Perez of the Rangers. But it's just flip. It's just such a pleasure to watch this guy go out there every five days and spin it. And like I said, it, it, it's like a throwback. I, I don't know who you could compare him to uh, uh, in, in the past. I, I mean, but as a lefty, what he's doing as a 27-year-old, not having the velocity of all these other guys, all these other young guys coming up now, and that's all it's about, he's a pitcher. And but he makes all nice those pitch. pitches better. The cutter makes all those other pitches better. Those right. pitches uh, on their own – were not strong enough, in my own professional opinion. I mean, whatever that's worth. I, I it wasn't strong enough to to make him a dominant pitcher. He had you know good good stuff, but wasn't that great stuff? He, but the fact that he's that cutter is so good, it makes all the other pitches that much more effective because the guys yeah. are looking for it and they 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 could get pitch get now throw pitches that you know they're they're because they're, they're looking for something else. These pitches are good enough to get them out. So that's yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, he's using it almost 16% more from last year. And flip to your point, against the cutter this season, teams are hitting 153. And that's What's the cutter cutter doing? Look at Mariano, had the best cutter in the game. Absolutely. It looks like a fastball. (laughs) Yeah, it it looks like a fastball. It's hard to pick up as far as spin-wise as a hitter. You're seeing it as a fastball. Next thing you know, it's in your knuckles. And that's exactly what Cortez is doing. You look at when he faces right-handed hitters and the at-bats and the swings that they take against him. When he's throwing the cutter inside, it's looking like a fastball. And plus, you know, he also has to come inside a little bit with his four-seamer so to try to, you know, try to offset that pitch. But Flip was absolutely right. With that cutter, it, it plays so well with his other pitches. If he, if he didn't have that cutter, he wouldn't be near the, the, the pitcher he is now. But it looks so much like a fastball that these hitters are seeing it so well on the inside part of the plate and they're trying to spin to hit it. Next thing you know, it's on their knuckles and he's getting a lot of weak contact. And then he backdoors it and it looks like a ball. And all of a sudden about three inches later, it's on that outside part of the plate. He'll, he'll drop down every now and then and, and throw that fastball or that little breaking ball on the outside part of the plate. But you're right. That cutter has been a difference maker for him. If we look under the hood flip, as uh, our colleague uh, David Cohn likes to say, 
there's there's no fluke about what Cortez is doing. His expected stats in three key stat cast categories are superb. They rank in the majors top five expected batting average, expected slugging percentage and expected weighted on base average as well. He's fifth in expected batting average, fourth in expected slugging and second to Alex Cobb in that expected weighted on base percentage. This is no fluke anymore. This is Nestor Cortez. He's one of the best pitchers in major league baseball. Yeah, he's driving a four-cylinder, and he's, like, shoving it up everybody's butt. That's what he's doing. <laughs> he's no. got the inline turbo, Nelly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had – no, I'm not making this comparison. It's – it's, it's, on, on the surface, it's a ridiculous statement. But it's not really, to my mind. Well, I saw Sandy Koufax pitch when I was very young. And I'm not sure that I saw – like, I actually understood what it was I was watching other than the fact that – Nobody could hit Sandy Koufax. It was, it was unhittable. But I also saw Sandy Koufax when he was hittable. He was walking guys. He gave up hits. Sandy Koufax had that six-year run that was, I mean, I've never seen a six-year run, certainly subsequently to watching Koufax pitch the way I, I had a chance to see him pitch. I didn't see him every day. Mostly saw him just postseason or you'll hear highlights or read things. You know, it was a different way of covering baseball back in those days. But once he hit his prime, once he figured out how to pitch, he always had the stuff. But once he figured out how to harness this, harness it, he became a whole different pitcher, whole different pitcher. He went from a from a three starter or a four starter to the Hall of Fame, and 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 there was no there was no ease, there was no like he he eked his way in. He was just that dominant. And I watched I watched Cortez pitch. It's not that kind of dominance. It's obviously not overpowering dominance. It's hardly that. But it's dominance. He's pitching dominantly. He's getting yeah. people out. He's not giving up hits. He's not walking people. He doesn't give up runs. Now, now, again, let this me... is not. Uh, I'm not comparing him to Sandy Koufax. Right. I know people are going to write me. I say, how could you? I'm not. I'm just saying, there's dominance. There's quiet dominance, and there's overt dominance. This is quiet dominance, but it's dominance. Nelly, yeah, is, there, is there, let me ask you this before you, before you answer, is there anything to like a trickle down effect that you've seen in your career, like for the rest of the rotation or for the rest of the pitching staff, if someone's having a season like Cortez, we saw Flip and I talked about this in our last show, but we saw Cortez showing Jordan Montgomery, how he throws his cutter in the dugout in between their starts when they were both watching another Yankee starter and David Cohn was kind of the voiceover for that discussion in the dugout. It was tremendous television, by the way, but can something like, can a season like this, can that trickle down? Can, can other guys want to compete within their own dugout because of the season Cortez is having? Uh, I think they compete and they have every star. I mean, every player has some sort of ego and you always want to top the other guy. I mean, you don't want to be embarrassed out on the field. I, I think you, you just saw it in this last runaround in the rotation and it ended with Montgomery, how everybody was going deep in the game. It just seemed like everybody, each one of them wanted to top each other. Now that, that they have like a little competition within themselves. And I saw that when I played, when you had, uh, you know, Pettit and Del Duque, Cone, those guys had competitions. I'm sure within themselves, as far as, you know, okay, he went out and got seven. I, I got to go eight. You know, that, that's, that's their mindset. And I see, I see that a little bit with this rotation. There's their, that's their mindset. Oh, Cortez is going out there giving seven, giving eight innings. I got to do the same thing. I mean, you look at Garrett Cole, 
And he's like, I'm getting tons of money. I got to go out there and show something. I mean, I, these guys are out pitching me right now. So, yeah, there is a friendly competition between everyone. Now, as far as showing pitches, you know, you can show, you, you know, Cortez can say, hey, you know, Monty, this is how I'm holding my cutter. And you experiment a little bit in the bullpen. You don't want to take it out in the game situation. But you can emulate everybody's – you can emulate other pitchers' wind-ups. Or, or I emulated – Dennis Eckersley. I was a big Dennis Eckersley fan. And I, I wore 43 because of, because of him. And I went one time in the minor leagues and said, you know what, I'm going to throw like him. But everybody's release point is different. And nobody can emulate. You can't emulate somebody's release point or how they throw the ball. Like Mariano Rivera, you could, he could show you all day how he throws his cutter. And I'm sure he did. But he has a different release point on that pitch that nobody else is going to have. I can, so I can show somebody how to throw my slider. This is how I gripped it. But nobody – you're not going to find another guy that's going to be able to snap a ball like I did or, 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 or you know, on somebody, somebody's nasty sinker. You know, this is how I hold my two-seamer. Well, I'm not going to be able to throw my two-seamer like that guy because my release point is totally different. The windups can be the same, but how you release the ball is totally different. So, you know, yes, there's a friendly competition. It's funny because Flip mentioned Sandy Koufax, and he had fingers like E.T., by the way. I signed with uh, <laughs> I signed with the Dodgers. I signed with the Dodgers out of high school. So I was in Vero Beach in spring training, and the just like the Yankees, how they bring all their the alumni, all the Hall of Famers, and all these guys are around all the time. Well, the Dodgers did the same thing. And I'm sitting there at an 18-year-old kid in spring training, and I didn't know really how to throw a breaking pitch. And I had Johnny Padres and Don Drysdale, Sandy Koufax, all these Hall of Famers. And I'm like, my eyes are like deer in the headlights. So Sandy Koufax come out and says, hey, kid, he says, I'm going to show you how I threw my curveball. Well, he takes his fingers and he wraps it all around the whole ball. And I'm like, how in the hell am I going to throw a breaking ball? <laughs> I mean, I have big hands, but not like that. I mean, this, and plus he's probably, what, 5'11 flip? He's not very tall. And he's showing me how to throw a breaking ball. I said, well, if I had fingers as long as yours, I might be able to throw it like that. But there's no chance. About six feet, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. I mean, it was just, I, I don't know why I feel, uh, uh, I just, you know, I, I wish I would knew now, then what I know now, obviously about a lot of things, but certainly about understanding baseball, because I was, I was, what, 10 when I saw him, 11, 12. You know, uh, when he when he struck out the 15 Yankees or the 14 Yankees in the 63 World Series uh, game one, Harry Bright, the last one, I think it's 15. I'm not 14 or 15, whatever it was. I uh, I was, let's see, 10. I was 12 years old. So, you know, what do I know? Cortez is having a great season on the mound. And, you know, Flip, you, you, you brought it up for a blip. But I, I think before we let Nelly go and before we wrap this up, I mean, you threw – a singular rose at Aaron judge for the season he's having so far, but I think we need to throw a couple of bouquets easy for me to say at, uh, at judge this season. He, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. We've talked about it. You know, he, he, he turned down what was a $30 million a year contract from the Yankees, a very generous offer from the New York Yankees, but he's a guy who bet on himself. He's a guy who thinks he should be the highest paid player in baseball. And so far, Guys, he's playing like it. Yeah, he, he, he is. He's been incredible. He's been fun to watch. And I'm, I'm hoping that the Yankees will be able to sign him back. I hope he just stays healthy for the, for the full year. Now, I expect, I expect, especially in his own division, 
when you we talked about the offense, teams are going to every time when you have a pitcher's meeting, you always pick somebody in that offense. Okay, in a crucial situation, this guy's not beating me. Nobody on base, let him hit the solo home run. He can do that all day as long as it's you know not a close game. But I'm gonna I'm gonna expect teams to start pitching around him and maybe his walks go up and we'll see if he starts getting frustrated at the plate because he's not getting a lot to hit. So that's going to be something to watch going forward, especially after the first two months of baseball. And now everybody start feeling start, you know, you had the shortened spring and now, you know, you go through the first uh, eight weeks of baseball and now everybody's starting to get comfortable. The weather's starting to warm up, watch pitchers and see, and watch teams and see how they start facing him now, especially when, when you have an open base and, and possibly when the, when the game's on the line and he's up in a situation that they can beat you, he's going to get he's either going to get frustrated or he's going to be patient and just take his walks and say, okay, I'm going to get my pitch to hit it on occasion, and I'm not going to miss that, but I'm going to have to take my walks because this is how they're pitching me now. Good point. I mean, it's it's a strong point. Um, I don't I don't I, I certainly would not debate that he's having an incredible season. He's having an MVP season i don't I, I don't know who that would be second at this point i haven't really thought it through but certainly he's to date he's the mvp and and you know he's he bet on himself as you correctly point out that's true the yankees made him a very generous offer that's true too and but if in fact he, he he's, he's his thing is just health he's just got to prove that he can stay on the field because if someone is going to make the investment in him that this is going to take to sign him they have to have. They have to be sanguine. One of my favorite words, sanguine, that that he is can stay on the field, and that's really that's the battle I think that that he's up against. But 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 because of the quality of year that he's having, the type of year that he's having, I mean, he gets through the season, he he can write his own check. I mean, somebody will give him the Yankees, hopefully, but not the Yankees. Somebody will give him what he wants. Right. I mean, I don't see any, any way you can't. And if I'm Aaron and I, he loves New York and he says he loves New York, he loves the Yankees, I believe him. I don't have no reason to doubt him. And I would sit there and say, if I'm him and an offer is relatively close to whatever I'm looking for, his endorsement money alone will carry him through. It makes a lot of money endorsements. I mean, you know, baseball is challenged for players to do endorsements, but quality endorsements. I mean, I looked up the other day and there's Derek Jeter doing subway commercials. Now, I'm not, I love Jeets. I know him forever. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to do commercials. I'm just saying he's your national person right now. Is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter's retired. Derek Jeter retired five years ago. There should right. be contemporary players taking that spot. You know, Mike Trout is a great ball, ball player. Otani's, you know, I know there's whatever language to there, but but Otani's a great, great player. There are judges are great. There are great players here in the in the game. Great players. Bookie Betts is a great player. There are, you know, I don't and I know Judge gets his endorsements, but I'm just saying the national spotlight. Has been is devoid of a lot of the contemporary players, the the, the, the baseball players who get the endorsement. It's Derek Jeter, and the way Wayne Gretzky used to get the hockey endorsements. And Wayne Gretzky was retired ten years. He's doing hockey. He's doing the endorsements for hockey. Where were the, where were the current players, the contemporary players? It shows you that sometimes the game is hard to market. The players right. are hard to market, and I don't know why that is. I just know that it is. And I, I sit there and I I and judge is such an ex- extraordinary athlete. Extra- Extraordinary. He just doesn't beat you with his bat. He beat you with his glove. He can run the bases. He's got an arm. Where, where's the weakness in his game? You know, I don't. I don't see it. And he's also got the type of personality. He's he's he can be outgoing. He's got a sense of humor. He's also really good in the clubhouse. And he's the face of the game right now. He is the face of the game. Trout is great. Forget about Trout. I love him. He's, he's got his three MVPs and his five second place finishes. Whatever he's got. 
but Judge is the face of the game right now. Guys, and what about yeah. him in what about him in center? What about him in center? Do you like him in center? I do. I, I, I do because he moves really well. I think center field's an easy, easier position to play than a corner outfield spot because everything is right in front of you. You can get better jumps at the ball. Uh, I think he covers a lot of ground, even though he's a big guy. Um, as far as health-wise, you know, maybe a quarter outfield spot is probably a place that's probably going to keep him healthier and because he doesn't have to run as much or cover as much ground. But I think he's a, a very good center fielder. I think he's very satisfactory out there. I think he's beyond satisfactory. I think he's a really good center fielder, yeah. but I also think he's a really good right fielder. And the truth of the matter is, but you run the risk because there is, as to your point, you run the risk of, of probably widening the injury situation or potential if you play him in center because there's not that much more ground to cover. And that's the thing that I worry about him as a center fielder. I don't worry about his ability to play it. I worry about the, the, the exponential factor of the injury in center field. Yeah. That's what I think about. And I also tell you, as a team for the Yankees, when he plays center, you know, Stanton, Stanton is a, is a, is a pretty good right fielder when he's in there. He it's is. Not, when he played the National League for years. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, from little Gallo has played out there, Gallo is a much better right fielder. So I'm just looking at the outfield situation to know the Yankees are better when judges in center. And because the let's face it, they, right. they haven't gotten a whole lot out of X. They just no. haven't gotten right. it at this point. No. And Gallo has really struggled. So, you and know, they won't. So they think that Hicks can turn it around. He's not going to be able to turn it around. I don't see much in him. Well, you know, you, you always hope that there'll be a better day for him, you know, and hopefully there is for him. But to this point in time, it's it's not really been there. I've got one more for you, Nelly, before we let you go. And I'd be remiss if I didn't kind of ask you about the 1998 team and, and the four World Series championships. But uh, instead of asking you about those seasons and reminiscing, let me do it this way. As a four-time World Series champion in New York with the Yankees, what advice would you give this edition of the Yankees moving forward as they head towards October and a potential run at another title. I think you walk, you walk out on the field and you have to have a confidence and a presence that you own this field, no matter where you are. And you always have to expect that you're going to beat the other team. And when you do lose, you have to be surprised and shocked. You know, one, the one thing that we had in those years, we felt that we were going to win every single game, whether it was Joe Torre or Mr. Steinbrenner or what, or the media or the fans, whatever pressures that we had on, we still went out. We felt that we were going to win. We weren't pushed to win or expected to win. We felt as a team that we were going to win every single game. There was no way we were going to lose. And I saw that a little bit in the beginning of this season with the Yankees, that they were starting to walk out on the field expecting to win every single game. And I hope that continues. Because last year I did go to that, that, that playoff, that one-game playoff, and I sat right next to the Yankee dugout. And they were done. They were done after they were down by three when Cole gave up those three runs. And I'm looking in the dugout. I'm like, there's absolutely no life. There's no life. You don't have to be a rah-rah guy. You don't have to be, hey, you know, I'm going to get my pom-poms on and start cheering everybody on. We, the, the confidence that looked like I mentioned, the looks in guys' eyes, the confidence that they have in their face. You can see, I mean, our years when we were down, we still felt like, okay, it's not a big deal. We're going to come back and we're going to beat this team. It's not, you know, it, it, it didn't matter. 
when they were down, they were done. And I saw that a lot last year. This year has changed a little bit for me. I'm starting to see, see some confidence that they, they expect to win. And if they don't win, then, then they're a little bit surprised by it. Why did we lose? I mean, we shouldn't have lost that game. I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, that, there's, there's real truth to that. I, uh, I, uh, I, I, it's so hard because you look at records and starts and things and, you know, I'm, but I'm also a believer. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. And yeah. you know, I've seen a lot of teams, uh, really a disproportionate number of teams actually get off to great starts and falter or, or play. I'm, I'm very skeptical when it comes to baseball. I've been watching it too many years. I've seen too many games. I've been in too many circumstances um, to, to just say, I look at a team and they get off to a great start, like the Yankees off to a great start. I'm not doubting that the Yankees could be a very good baseball team and are a very good baseball team. But I know the season is really long and the crucible of any team is the, is the season. And you have to weather so many injuries and so many, so many circumstances. And you have to stay so consistent. The consistency is everything. And, it, and when you have injuries and you have situations, you know, the consistency falters. The Yankees have to show that they can stay consistent. If they don't have to play as well as they played the start that they had, which was incredible. They just have to play cons- cons- consistent baseball. They play consistent baseball. Win series is always the key. We always talk about that. They do that, they'll be fine. But but if they start to falter and start to lose series and they play start to then it consistently takes another level, then the Yankees really have to watch where they are. That, that's my sense of this. And with your skepticism and everybody's skepticism, that goes with only winning one World Series in the last what 21 years. I mean, when we won, there was no skepticism when we played because we won so many times. So it's just our kind of expected or a whole home. But when you win one, one World Series and you're the New York Yankees. There, you haven't proven anything. There's no, there's no consistency, not just year, not just within the year, but year by year. Yes, you've made the playoffs, but that, that's as far as you're going. I mean, is that, is that, if you get a gold star for making the playoffs, not as a New York Yankee, not as a New York Yankees organization, you got to win World Series. That's what the Yankees are look, all if about. You look at the work, Nelly. If you look at the work in the aggregate, the Yankees have done a very good job. Yes. Because it's really hard to, no matter, you know, a lot of teams sign players, they spend money, they do whatever, and, you know, they, they don't win. It's, it's it, not every team that spends money or does wins. So there's not a question of, yes, it helps to have money, there's no doubt. But the reality is you also have to scout and sign and draft and trade and, and maintain a roster and fill in spackle where you can and, and get through all the, the, the vicissitudes of the, the trials and tribulations that are part of a long season. And the Yankees, over the, over the length of time, have proven they're a very strong organization. You know, they find talent in players that they find, I mean, homes. I mean, the Pirates, obviously, right. didn't see a whole lot in them. I mean, I know they're the Pirates, for God's sake, but, but okay, you didn't see a whole lot in them. Yankees saw something right away. Took them. The yep. Yankees see things, they find that the value proposition the Yankees is really good. They see things in places that other people don't see. They just do. So the organization is a strong organization, and the success is definitely there. The history is there. But if, if the success is the metric is truly just world championships, then, you know, the Yankees last few years have, have, not, have not rung that bell. They just haven't. And it's time they ring that bell again. So right. I think they realize it. And, and this is so the, it's, not, it's not sufficient enough to say the Yankees are having a really good year. That's true. They are. And, 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 but at the end of the day, they have to win. It's time to win. They need to win a championship. That's it. They do. You're right. You're right. And you're absolutely right. And it's not, and to your point, it's not, the, it's not that they haven't provided, you know, Brian Cashman and the organization has not provided 
a winning ball club. I think they put together over the years teams that should have gone to the World Series and should have won the World Series. Absolutely. It's all on the field. I mean, it's not it's not the the organization has done everything they could to try to put a winner on the field. And they have they made some bad this. signings? Yes, and they continue. Have they made of course every every organization has a questionable signing. Right. But Everyone. overall, overall they put a team on the field that can win every single year. So it's not on the organization. It's on the guys that take the field. It's on those guys. They're the ones that have to put things together. They're the ones that have to stay healthy. They're the ones that have to be consistent. The organization has done everything they could to say, hey, this is here you go. Here's your, here's your 25, 26 guys. This should be able to win a World Series. And so it's up to them. That's true. And, that's, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, we saw what this team did when they were completely healthy. And if the team is completely healthy for a stretch run in October, it could be a very long run for the Yankees this season. And hopefully towards their next World Series championship, which Nelly tasted four times during his tenure with the ball club. Got- well, you know, with that, with that being said, you know, teams don't stay healthy for a full season. You, we're, we're, you know, Flip just talked about depth, and I know we're running long. You, you're going to need depth. You're going to need depth in the rotation. You're not just going to need – you're not going to use five guys. You're going to need six, seven, eight guys in that rotation at some point during the year. Offensively, you know, you look at some of the guys. Where's your Ricky Ladez uh, this year? Where's your Mendozas? Where's the guys like that that were on this team? That that's where you need to see. Okay, when they do fall, who's picking them up? Where are those guys in the minor leagues or or wherever that they're going to come up and and? and no, I'm not saying you're going to miss a beat because you're always going to miss Stanton. But who's going to be that guy that's going to give you that extra boost? That's saying, hey, I know this guy's injured. We'll wait till he gets back but we're going to still be strong when this guy comes up and, and helps us out at some point. You almost never see, and in terms of length, in terms of running long, this is a podcast, Nelly, just so you know, there is no such thing as a long podcast. There is really no, <laughs> there are podcasts for a reason. You could go on, you could go on forever. It's really okay. That That's, and I have a tendency to do that. So don't take what I say seriously about that. But anyway, um, the, the 98 team to me, was a perfectly constructed baseball team because you had an answer for everything. Right. You had starting pitching. I don't know if it was the greatest starting pitching in baseball, but it was solid. It was really good. You had a great bullpen. You had the best closer in the history of the game. You had great situational pitching. You situational righty. You had a lefty situation, Stanton. You had Mendoza who could give you length, you know, give you a couple of things. Right. You might start if you needed him, do whatever when, you know, uh, you know, when El Duque or guys would take a little break, decided to go take a little break, and, you know, you had yeah. guy could go fill in and do whatever. You had <laughs> everything there. I know Chris got that. They, yeah. they, you had every possible thing there. You had the hitting, situational, had the bench, you had a pinch runner at Holbert Boy. I mean, what did you not have? Everybody had a job, a role. And to me, the teams that are most successful, in my own opinion, are the ones that have defined roles. Tampa Bay is got, they don't have the talent that somebody's yeah. you kidding yourself. If you think that's a, a deeply talented ball club, I don't think it is at all, but I don't tell you what they are. They're unbelievably fit roles. Everybody's got a job. They know what their job is and they just, they, they concentrate on doing their job and they're extremely well managed. And right. the organization is a stream. They, they know how to better, better find what they need. They're not looking for superstars. They're looking for people to play roles. And if you get players to buy into a role, you've done a lot in the game. Yeah. 
Because people yeah. are swinging for fences and trying to get strikeouts and doing whatever. A lot of players play like that. But when you get it, people to buy into a system, they bought into a system. That system works. Yeah. That's why that team is good. Right. Guys, th- right. Th- this was a fun conversation, and I hope we could do it again soon. Nelly, I knew you would bring it. Uh, I had no doubt that you would bring it with us here today on Curtain Call. Uh, Flip, you have anything else before we say goodbye to Mr. Nelson? No, I, I, I haven't seen Jeff in a long time. It's nice to see him. I, no, I, I hope you're realize well, he lost Flip. more hair. You know, he lost a little bit more hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's it's good that this is like a podcast as opposed to like a like a yeah. Zoom cast or whatever they call those things. But uh, it was nice to see you, Nelly. Thank you for for coming on, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. You too, Flip. Great seeing you. Stay well, please. Okay, too. Thank you. All right, Flip. All right, Nelly. Thank you so much for joining us once again, Jeff. We do appreciate it. As for all of you listening out there, for John Filippelli, for Jeff Nelson, for myself, Chris Sheeran, we want to thank you once again for listening to the Curtain Call podcast. As always, we want you to subscribe. We want you to rate. We want you to comment. Wherever you download your favorite podcast, you can get Curtain Call as well. Until we meet again next week, for everyone on the podcast, this is Chris Sheeran saying so long, everyone.